Be still and know God is here. Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, Amen. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking. Other people will not feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us. It is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Good morning, my beloved friends. This wonderful quote from Return to Love by spiritual activist Marianne Williamson seems to be a great companion, I think, to our gospel lesson for this morning and for the liturgical season we find ourselves living in right now. Here we are, deeply into the season of Epiphany. Distinguished preacher and writer Peter Gomes describes Epiphany as, quote, the season in which the identity of Jesus is made clearer to all who will look and see. It is, he writes, the most important season of the church's year because this is the time in which we come to see who Jesus is, where we find him, and what he is about. I agree with that, but I think that learning about who Jesus is and where we find him and what he is about is really only half of the picture of what we are called to remember during this season. The other half of the picture is about us. The other half is remembering who we are and where we are to be found and what we are about. The other half is about trying to wrap our heads and our hearts around the possibility that following Jesus can actually matter in our everyday lives in a very real way, through the choices we make, through the relationships we invest in, the thoughts we entertain, the dreams we nurture and follow, and the compassion we cultivate to be God's love and mercy in the world. In short, the other half is about being salt and light. And this is the half of the picture we are called to notice today. Today we go up the mountain and we sit with the disciples who are in the middle of listening to Jesus as he has already begun what we call the Sermon on the Mount. What we missed before we arrived this morning were the beautiful passages that we call the Beatitudes. 
what I like to think of as Jesus' follow-up lesson for the disciples rounding out what they have been experiencing earlier while in Galilee. After calling the first four disciples, Simon and Andrew and James and John, Jesus then moved throughout Galilee preaching the good news, and as Scripture tells us, healing every disease and sickness. So now here he is with them restating in beautiful prose who and how God loves them. I imagine Jesus saying to them, okay guys, just don't get caught up in all the little details, trying to figure out who is right and who is wrong every day. Please trust that everyone, and I mean everyone, is made in the image of God. Don't waste precious moments of your life trying to determine who you think is worthy of God's blessing and who should be denied. God's got this, really, God's got this. Your job is to just be the blessing that you already are every day. So now here we are with them, and his words today take this lesson one step further. Today we move beyond the condition of being blessed to hear him proclaiming and affirming something maybe even more fundamental about our identity. Blessed is what we are. Now he seems to be telling us who we are. Let's begin with what Jesus does not say when he starts using the metaphors of salt and light. Jesus does not give the disciples instructions on how to become salt and light. Rather, he simply tells them, this is who you are right now. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Salt, the most essential mineral to life used for centuries to preserve over the different seasons. Historically, salt has been so valued that at one time it was exchanged at the same rate ounce for ounce with gold. Salt has been an ancient coin, a medium of exchange, and a sign of hospitality given to honored guests. Today, I invite you to take a piece of salt from our salt bowl when you come up for communion, as we are all today God's honored guests. To be sure, salt is a symbol and a metaphor connoting essential worth and value. Light, perhaps the most drawn upon metaphor throughout all religious writings, is used to remind us of the power of shining light in dark places. How many times have we sung, and yes, we will sing it again today, this little light of mine. We've sung it as children, and we sing it as adults to remind us in a simple but a profound way, we are the light of the world. This bold acclamation of identity is hard for us at times. I know it is for me. I don't know about you, but too often I have made the mistake of thinking that before I can let Lisa's little light shine, I need to have it all figured out and all put together. But as I listen to Jesus' words today, that is not what I hear. And for that, I am grateful. Rather, he seems to be telling the disciples and by extension us, just like being blessed doesn't depend on any circumstances, being salt and light isn't a plan or a strategy or even a suggestion. It is, he is saying, who we are. So what does it mean to pattern our lives as disciples? 
to claim our identity as salt and light? I think it is a great question for us at Trinity. I think many of us, especially in the church, have allowed our light to be hidden or even extinguished. Even amongst each other, we seem to wrestle at times not knowing what to say when differences of opinion emerge, for example. I wish we could learn as a church how to disagree with integrity and respect. I want us to be able to model civil discourse as we shine our lights. Each of us has an important voice and a testimony of love to share that can, I believe, make the words of the gospel real. And they are words I think the world needs to hear right now. We have so much salt and light to share and to spread, to gift each other and to the world. Yesterday, your very shiny and very salty vestry and I spent the day together on retreat. It was a time for prayer and conversation, eating together, working together, and yes, lots of laughing together. Much of our time was spent working on our ongoing project to craft, with God's help, a 10-year vision for Trinity's ministry. This is an ongoing project, one that started this past April and takes lots of salt and light, to be sure. It also takes generosity of spirit, a willingness to be vulnerable, persistence, and to stay curious and give each other the benefit of the doubt time and time again. We have and we will make mistakes along the way, but I remain excited and hopeful that this will be a milestone for us and set our course into a bright future for the next 10 years with God's help. Being salt and light is synonymous for being people who are meant to be loved in the world. Each of us is salt and has a unique way of seasoning, if you will, and preserving the world. Each of us is light, gifted to shine so that others can see good works being done in order to glorify God. This is not about being boastful or arrogant, but rather to ignite a chain reaction of love and good works in the world around us. This is kingdom work or as we have begun to say in this community, the work of kinship, building up community through mutual affection and respect. And kinship requires seeing with new eyes and transformed hearts. Archbishop Desmond Tutu knew all about this kind of seeing. In his beautiful book, God Has a Dream, a vision of hope for our time, he describes what it means to dream with God like this. God calls on us to be God's partners, to work for a new kind of society where people count, where people matter more than things, more than possessions, where human life is not just respected but positively revered, where people will be secure and not suffer from the fears of hunger, from ignorance, from disease, where there will be more gentleness, more caring, more sharing, more compassion, more laughter, where there is more peace instead of war. That's a pretty big dream, and one worthy of attaching our hearts to. 
Being salt and light is nothing short of accepting a kind of responsibility to look at our own fears, our negativity, and our self-imposed limitations, commanding them to dissolve so that God can move into the center of our lives. Being salt and light is nothing short of affirming that loving God with all we are and all we have will require everything of us, including security and control. And being salt and light is nothing short of risky business because in the end, God's dream will in fact become our own dream. And when that happens, then I believe we will truly understand in a new way that there is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people will not feel insecure around us. We're all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. So my beloved friends, on this day, the Christ in me greets the Christ in you, interrupting anything that keeps us from claiming our identity as light and salt, ready to change the world through the power of God's love. May it be so.